Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Another episode of Local Color. Back again at the Moose House. It's been a few months since I've been here. Shout out to Mateo. He's on the boards. Uh, we have a special guest in the building. Why don't you introduce yourself? Um, my name is Sydney Allen, but I go by a Baltimore Griot. Um, I'm a photographer from Baltimore. What made you choose the name of Baltimore Griot? Like, I'm familiar with the, the, the idea and the concept of griots, so uh, tell me a little bit more about that. As I was starting being a photographer or taking it more seriously, I wanted to not go by my my name because my name already sounds pretty androgynous but I was like I want to have like a really cool name that people are going to remember so I was trying to come up with alias names I wanted to incorporate something that included my location which is Baltimore because I wanted to rep the set and I also wanted to have a word that was synonymous with what I was doing so uh, I came up I was like a Baltimore something and I like I have a list I think I still have it somewhere it's like a list of all these alias names. And then I came up with um, Griot because I know this one group, Griot's Eye, or, um, yeah, Griot's Eye. And I was like, yeah, Griot is a storyteller. And, you know, I want to also incorporate that extra black aesthetic to it. So, boom, Baltimore Griot. And how long have you been using that name for? Since I started, like, so for three years. Oh, okay. Three years. All right. And you say that you're from Baltimore. Um, where in Baltimore? What was growing up there like? Uh, I moved around a lot growing up, um, like a lot. So I've lived all over Baltimore. But as an adult, I've really made roots in West Baltimore. Okay. So, Yeah, like we were talking before you came in, you live close by to the Botanical Gardens. How long have you been there? How long have you been living there now? I've been living there since 2016. Oh, wow. Yes, I've been living there for a long time. Like, that's my home home. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when I was growing up, I didn't, I don't think we, like, lived in a house longer than, like, a year or so. So, like, this is really my home home. I got you. Okay. And what was the reason for moving around so much? You know, you know how it goes in Baltimore. Raised by a single parent, you know, who's, like, working jobs that pay below, like, middle class wages and stuff like that. So, it's just like, you know. It's just me and my mother. She just like had a hard time like taking care of me because she was a woman with no college degree and smart, but you know only had certain technical skills. So she could only do what she could do for real. Do you think that seeing your mother working so hard and trying to provide? Because do you have any siblings or no? Yeah, I'm an only child. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, watching your mother work so hard. Do you think some of that work ethic rubbed off on you when you were in school and when you started photography? Mm, yes. Also, how she raised me to like do my work. I, I was just telling my best friend this. I was like, when I was younger and I didn't do my homework, my mother made sure I stayed up all night long to finish my homework. And I would cry and complain and really try to get out of it. And she was like, no, you're going to do this homework. And so... I think that really did translate to me being an adult because I'll I'll cry and moan about it, but um, I will get the work done. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time my friend had called me. It was in middle school. My friend called me, and, of course, my mom picked up the phone, and he was like, can Jason come upside and, like, skateboard and hang out? And she was just like, no, he's got <laughs> homework to do. And I don't I don't know why, but I would always, like, do work or like, I'd do my homework, but then I just wouldn't hand it in. And my mom was just like, I don't get, like, what <laughs> – is going on in your head. And I'm like, I don't know either. I'm 12. You know what I mean? 
so I definitely, uh, I definitely feel your pain on that one. Let's talk a little bit more about school. When you were in school, do you remember any type of arts project that really resonated with you and allowed you to use your creative energy and, and, and show your early interest in photography? Uh, yeah. So when I was in middle school, I think I've always been a creative person since I was younger. Um, my mom had stories for days about me writing stories or me learning how to draw and stuff like that. But like middle school was really where I was like honing all my talents. So when I was in middle school, I always hung out in the art teacher's room and she used to help me out and she put me on to like Micah's Young People Studio programs. And so I would go to Micah and, you know, each semester and do a program there. But there was this one project that we did where they got all the middle school kids, all the art classes from different middle schools from around Baltimore City. And we worked on a Billie Holiday mural, like a clay mural. And it's still up at the UB Blake Center. And like, if you look, (laughs) my name's on there too from Mount Royal. It doesn't connect to photography, but it is a connection to like visual art making because like we only had like a piece, like a certain piece of the larger mural that we were going to work on. And so like I had only known like how to I just started working with clay. So it's like I had to like carve out this mural to make it look like this one piece of a larger picture. Um, It was really uh, cool, though. And that was in you said middle school, right? Yeah, middle school. So I was like, oh, five. Oh, four. And then what about through high school? Did you have any other similar projects like that? It's so weird. High school was a bizarre time, so no. High school is when I got into, like, writing a lot. Okay. And was it creative writing, poetry? Like, were you, like, writing uh, articles for the school newspaper or anything? It was more like creative writing. My, my like, creativity is, like, taking so many different turns. Like, really was into drawing in middle school, into high school, and then I was, like... I was a nerd, so I was really into manga and anime, and I was like, I want to make my own manga, so I need to learn how to write, and I need to learn how to draw, so I learned how to write, and then I was really getting into writing from there. Mm. And then after, it wasn't until about, like, when I was 19 or 18 that I got into photography. Mm, okay. What are, what were some of your favorite mangas and animes when you were in high school? I liked all the, like, sappy-ass ones. <laughs> <laughs> like, Fruits Baskets. Like, uh-huh. what else? Is that the one where the girl gets turned into a cat, or am I? No, it's all right. So she's like, it's just like this one girl, and okay. all these other people in the book. Like, if they get touched by the opposite sex, they turn into a, like the Chinese zodiac animal oh, that they're okay. born under. It's so sappy. <laughs> no, that's fun. What are some other ones? Or do you still watch anime now? Oh, I do. I'm still a nerd. What's uh, what's some stuff that you're watching now? I started watching Doro Hidoro. I heard that that was really good, but the animation style is very weird. It is really bizarre. That's why it took me a long time to be like, mm, do I like this or not? Okay. Yeah, so like Doro Hidoro. Um, what did I just finish watching? I just finished watching something. Oh, God damn it. I can't remember. <laughs> but um, I'm, oh, Full Metal Alchemist. Brotherhood? No, I don't acknowledge Brotherhood. What? Why not? Because the original is so good. But Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is amazing. It's only good because it has a happy ending. I think that is <laughs> like a thing for me. Like mm-hmm. the original Full Metal Alchemist, it's like, and this is me just as a storyteller that I enjoy a lot. It has like a very like linear story, and it's like 
two characters that they focus on and the ending is actually really good brotherhood it's too happy it's too many characters it's too many side plots it's just too much and it's longer wow i feel like that is a very hot take but um come at me all <laughs> uh i haven't watched uh the original full metal alchemist i what i i so look it took me the longest time to watch Brotherhood because I think I started it. I watched the first episode a few years ago and I was just like, eh, it's not for me. And for a long time, I had taken a break from watching anime because it's okay. It's 2020 now. The first anime I watched like after my big anime hiatus was <laughs> um, Attack on Titan. Oh, God. And I was like, okay, this is like a pretty intense anime to start off with. It but really before is. that, the last anime that I watched was uh, Fooly Cooly. And I was just oh. like, there's... There's really nothing else after this. Like that's a classic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I was watching Attack. I've been watching Attack on Titan. Uh, my sister Lauren and I we were watching this anime. That actually, season three came out called Golden Kamoy. Mm. Uh, it's about a soldier, a Japanese soldier who um, basically partners up with a native Japanese girl. I don't know if native Japanese would be the right term, but the indigenous people of Japan are called the Ainu. Mm. And they go on a journey to find like a lost stash of Ainu gold, but there's like other other, you know, people and influences who are all trying to get to the gold. That's pretty interesting. Um I didn't I haven't started Doro Hidoro yet, but I'm a little more interested in it because um, one of the voice actors, I think, so is the main character's name Dorohidoro or? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think the main character's name is not Dorohidoro. It's. Okay. But that's the lizard person. Yeah. Kinda? It's the lizard. It's the, it's bizarre, but it's like mm-hmm. interesting at the same time. And I'm just like, the only, that's the only reason why I keep watching. I'm like, there yeah. is something compelling me to watch this, but okay. it is I, I want to check it out because it does look interesting, but then also the, I think one of the voice actors, he's a voice actor in uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and I don't know if you've ever watched that. But No, I mean, I, I really want to because it looks pretty interesting. The whole, like, there was, like, this thing on TikTok for a second where all the people were doing JoJo poses and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty cool. So I kind of want to watch it a little bit. but It's pretty over the top. Like, the first, the first, uh, the first series... Um, phantom blood it's not bad like it definitely takes you a little bit to get into it and then you can tell that the writer because obviously like most manga starts off as i'm sorry most anime starts off as manga um yeah the writer like he was kind of finding his footing battle tendency part two a lot of people that's one of their favorites and i liked it stardust crusaders is like a lot of what a lot of people think is the best one I actually really like part four, which is Diamond is Unbreakable. Oh, and there's people... like many versions of this. So each like each part, it, it focuses on a different um, person or like in a different part of the world. Um, but after part two, the writer, because I don't want to spoil too much, but he goes away from a certain uh, like superpower aspect in favor of something called stands mm. and um stardust crusaders the poses is, thing from? yeah yeah oh, yeah okay. uh and stardust crusaders is where that starts uh i think the voice actor for doro hidoro he was a main character in part four mm. and then the most recent part golden wind i finished that a few months ago when i finished it because i was watching jojo back to back and my wife like she hates it she's like i i 
I don't want you to watch this shit anymore. Um, I felt like there, like you know, there was something missing. And part six, Stone Ocean, is supposed to be coming out in anime, but you know, who knows? Um, I can't stand that with manga and anime. Like, there's a couple things that I like watch, and I'm like, they don't have a third season for this, but the manga's gonna keep going. Like, what's that, Demon Slayer? I have to read the manga now because like the first season of the anime came out, and I'm like, they're like, we don't know mm. when the second season gonna come out i'm like well i gotta read the manga or noragami <laughs> only got two seasons of that yeah but the manga's still going i'm like wow okay they did the same thing for uh i think attack on titan like the the time between the first season and the second season was so long and um there's just like so much more anime out there i, I kind of want to start berserk but i don't want to traumatize myself because <laughs> it's like super violent and just disturbing berserk? yeah isn't that on netflix so one of the I think it's a one of the movies or one of the series is because it's an older uh story or like old, pre- like like old anime like from like the 90s and 80s or early 2000s yeah, because those be violent. Yeah, like Fist of the North Star. Oh my god, or fucking Ninja Scroll like Yo, Ninja Scroll is wild. That was my first anime. Yeah. And I should not have been watching it. I was going to say age, the same thing. I, I was watching it. I watched it at, when I was in like maybe middle school exactly. and I was like this is cool but like what the what fuck? fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is going on? You know, shout out to my older cousin who really started that journey for me. I was like, "What?" The That's fuck? always how it happens. <laughs> Just some older person's like, "Yo, do you want to watch this shit?" I know you're not supposed to like watch it. It's definitely not for your age group, but and it was on VHS too. Like that's oh, how man. old it was. Like, yo, that's pretty legit. Yeah. And then after that, you know, Toonami. Shout out to Toonami. You feel me? Um, you know the basics: Inuyasha, mm-hmm. Wolf's Rain, Big O, Trigon. My sister and I we watched a few episodes of Wolf Wolf's Rain, and we still have yet to find it anywhere else online where we can watch the it's rest so, of it. It's so, yeah, you, well, they're, like, you gotta go on those, like, weird dark web anime sites, because it's really hard to find. It's really mm-hmm. old, but I think it slept on Wolf's Rain. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We watched a trailer for it recently, and we were like, we had, we clearly had no idea what this was about. No, we as younger. a child, you were like, whatever, this is really pretty, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, we uh, took a very giant detour, but I'm That's glad to, to hear that uh, you're an anime fan. Uh, what did you do after high school? Uh, after high school, um, I tried to find my own path <laughs> as an adult. So I didn't go to college off break because I just didn't have the grades for it because, you know, high school was a bizarre time. So I didn't have a lot of like um, focus and support to be like, all right, you got to go to college. You know, my grades weren't there. So once I got out of high school, I was just like working. I moved out of my my aunt's house and I like went and lived with a friend. That was my first place. But I was 18 and I didn't know how to pay bills <laughs> and anything else. So that was like messed up. And then the wildest shit happened to me. Got in a car accident. Oh, I got hit by a car. I was in this halo vest for like three months. And, um, after I got out the halo vest, I was like, all right, that was a sign from the universe. I got to like get out here and make something of myself. So I went to, I enrolled at Coppin, went to Coppin for two years. Started out as a psych major and I was really focused on black mental health and like neuroscience. And then after like those two years, I like did like a a program, an AmeriCorps program. 
and I worked at this school and I had this like really wild experience. Um, and this is also the time when I was like having like a, like a race consciousness awareness about things. And so like I was witnessing all this like racist shit happening and I was like, wow, this is crazy as shit. Like people don't really give a fuck about black people, especially black youth. And it just messed me up. And so I was like, I don't want to do psychology no more. Like I just want to go back to doing the thing that I like to do. So transferred to UB and I majored in uh, writing and then, that didn't go well because I wrote a story and my professor like didn't understand it and I was like oh I'm not doing this with you uh white person so <laughs> I became a literature major because I've heard the story or the the theory that great writers are avid readers so hmm. I was like all right I'll do literature because I could just read all the time and it does help though and what were some of the things that you were reading uh so <clears throat> excuse me I want to talk about that but I also want to talk about when you had that awakening and that, I guess, realization that the world isn't what you thought it was, how old were you when that happened? And did it have an impact on um, any of your relationships or anything like that? Um, I think it was the, the, it started with the death of Trayvon Martin. And then it really didn't hit me as hard until the death of Mike Brown. And my best friend at the time, she was doing journalism and she had to go down to Ferguson to like document it and um, report on it. And I was just like, I remember watching the news when they said that they weren't going to do any indictment and the crowd just like going out from the courtroom and they just like starting to riot and stuff. And I was just like really concerned for her, but I know she was also safe at the same time, which is weird. Safe with the people, Mm -hmm. not so much with the police. And like, I just remember that like 2015 what was that 2014 yeah i think so yeah 2014 because in 2015 was when the uprising happened in baltimore mm-hmm. so like it was just like non-stop from trayvon martin to mike brown um to freddie gray and like that's when it and i know that sounds really delayed because i was like 20 i don't, I don't know how old i was <laughs> i'm only 28 and i've already forgotten you know simple math of my age but i, I but I, I understand what you're saying because i kind of had the same thing Mine was a little bit earlier, but it wasn't kicked off by, you know, the death of um, like Trayvon Martin or really any of those highly publicized deaths. I think for me, I was just, it was just the people that I was hanging out with. And then the older I got, the more I realized like, oh, I'm just uncomfortable around these people all the time mm. because they just aren't, they don't understand life the way that I understand it. Mm. And then like you were saying with like with like um Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown and then Freddie Gray and stuff. Again, like you were saying, it just really drove that point home for me and um <clears throat> that's part of the reason why I wanted to start the podcast because um I too had a uh, uh a life-changing accident. I fell asleep while I was driving and I um I broke my ankle and while I was recovering, I just thought about that the media that we consume and mm-hmm. like how it fits into the narrative of Baltimore. And there's only like one, two, maybe three different narratives of Baltimore if you're not from here. But, you know, me living here my whole life and most of my life, pretty much all of my life, like I was spent living in the county, but coming down to live in the city, 
um, and then also just interacting in the city and stuff like that when I was younger, it's like there's just so much more that the city has to offer. Like it's such a dynamic and and like cosmopolitan city. Um, and historically, there's a, there's a lot of stuff here yes. as well. You know what I mean? Uh, so I definitely um, understand that. When you saw that um, stereotypical black imagery, and 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 you saw how society and the world at large treated black people. When and how did you first notice it? Well, I guess we already answered that. But when did you realize that you wanted to reclaim that imagery? And was it with photography or was it with a different artistic expression? Well, I knew it, it took a long time to find my purpose with photography. And I didn't know that's what I was doing until way later after I started. Because when I first started doing photography, I wasn't even like, oh, I'm a photographer. I just was like, I like to document moments with with people. I like to take pictures of people and photograph them because I think it's important. I think photography is really important in in memory, in in like remembrance as well. Like, like I can look at a photo from 2011 and I'll be instantly transferred back to that time. And I can remember, you know, who I was and how I felt in that moment and I think that is really important with photography um or any art for real um but I didn't know that's what I was doing initially but I knew that after a while I got so tired of hearing the same narrative about Baltimore because I'm from here and I think I think what it was is like right after that gun task force stuff was happening and people were like man Baltimore's dangerous and like it was just so many people being like afraid of Baltimore city, but it's just like, it's the people that have no reason to be afraid. Like, like white people or rich people who don't live in the city. Like the people that should be afraid are the niggas that are poor and don't have access to anything that aren't protected by any laws or anything like that. And like, they should be the ones that are afraid, but instead they're the ones just like making life work for real. And um, so I used to, I just would get so frustrated by that. Like, yes, Baltimore is dangerous in that capacity, but there's so much more to it for real. And black people are very multifaceted. And nobody like can see that. And I understand that that is how racism works is like, it's a dehumanizing of black people. And like, they don't see them as people. They just see them as a part of this like narrative that feeds into, you know, perpetuating, racism in that way or systemic racism so mm -hmm. I think when I was doing photography I was just like look and and, and has I've had to shift it because I realized that initially I was talking to people that were dehumanizing black folk instead of talking to black people and being like look y'all this is this is who we are so uh yeah does that answer the question <laughs> yeah it does and I have, I'm I have, uh, tangent. <laughs> it's okay I have a, I, a kind of more of a general idea of um how you wanted to reclaim that imagery and, and what really kicked it off. Before we continue on a uh, more of a talk about photography, you mentioned this uh, when you were talking about you know life after high school and stuff. You mentioned that you moved out of your aunt's house. Did something happen between you and your mom that you guys weren't talking or something? No, I so it was me and my mom for a long time. And then after a while, after, it was that housing market crash thing that happened. And like my mom just wasn't able to um keep a 
keep a house or keep an apartment or, you know, it was just really difficult for that. And then after a while we were like living with other people. And then after a certain point, we just like went and lived with my aunt, my aunt, like, uh, she got a house. And so it was like me and my mom, but it was all of us in there. My aunt is like the matriarch of the family. So she like take care of everybody. Mm. So I was living with my, me and my mother were living with my aunt and her kids and my other aunt and her kids. <laughs> it was really, it was a packed household. What was that like for you? Like going from being the only child to having so many people in the house? Well, I mean, I grew up with my cousins, so it wasn't that different. It was just like, it's like, uh, I'm just living with my cousins and my aunt. Um, yeah, but it was a high school was a living with my aunt and like going through that transition in high school, middle school and high school was difficult because that is where a lot of changes happen that I'm not going to get into because it's kind of personal and I don't want to out my mother. But I will say this, that my mother did try with what she knew and um, the healing process and being an adult in which I also explored through my art is um, the ways in which. I can accept that and like, you know, give myself the stuff that, you know, I couldn't probably get as a kid, but that's okay. Mm, I understand. So I want to talk more about your photography now. I kind of have an idea of how you conceptualize and execute your projects, but could you tell that to me in your own words? How how do you get an idea in your head and then how does it come out as uh, a series of, of photographs? So... A part of this whole reclamation of uh, black imagery is it's like, what do I want to talk about when it comes to black folk, right? And sometimes it's abstract concepts and sometimes it's very direct things. So I think uh, the first thing I did was like, well, portraits. It's, the, the best thing you can do as an artist is figure out what type of art you want to do. So photography is really broad. You got to pick a lane. Pick it, try it, and see if you're good at it. When I first started, I was like, all right, what kind of photography do I want to do? I was just documenting. I was doing events. And then I was, and, and I realized after a while, I was like, oh, I should probably try a type of photography that, um, and, and just try that on for size. So I tried a couple different things, and I really liked portraiture. And because it's super intimate and you get real close to people and, you know, I just really like that. So I, I started with that and, um, and then I just expanded and you can do so much with portraiture for real. And now I'm moving into like environmental portraiture. So when I do portraits originally, I put them in a studio space with lighting. That way, you know, you could just see the subject. You're just seeing them, nothing else. But like environmental portraits is more like, I'm seeing the subject in addition to their environment that they're in. But aside from that, any other project that I have an idea for, like I recently wanted to do a project on black people that wear gold fronts, not like trying to figure it out or anything or like, why do we do it? Like, I know why we do it. We look good in it, but I want to document it. I want to photograph people in that. Um, but any other project so far, it's been out of nostalgia, just like, or just out of pure love for the thing, for like black people. It's just like, oh, wow, I love that we do this thing. Let me go photograph it. Do you mainly shoot on digital or film? And um, what are some of the pros and cons of each format? I mostly shoot on digital. I just learned how to, to shoot film. Like it's only been a year and a couple months. Some A friend of mine um, gave me a, film camera 
<clears throat> I remember being like, I want to shoot film. I want to learn how to shoot film. And my friend was like, I got this film camera. You can just, you can just have it. And I was like, what? Are you serious? So I got a film camera and I have been learning how to teach. I've been teaching myself how to do film for a year. And it's been an interesting process. But I mostly shoot digital. Um, there's not too many uh, cons with digital because it's easy to manipulate. And I shoot manual. So like it's pretty easy to uh, adjust how you want your image to look while you're shooting. The only, only pro, oh, no, that's a con. Digital is a lot of money. I mean, mm. film's a lot of money, but digital's a lot of money. Like, it took me three years to get a um, full frame, and that was just by the grace of God because unemployment. <laughs> what is a what is a full frame? What do you mean? Uh, so there is um, a full frame. Just means the the sensor and the camera is bigger. You know, it's not cropped, um, and those are a lot more expensive. Like my camera was twelve, it's like a thousand dollars. When I my first camera that I have my Nikon D fifty three hundred, that was like four hundred dollars on rebate, <laughs> and then I got a little little lens that was like also a hundred dollars. So like that was cheap, but this full frame stuff is expensive. Like the lens for it are expensive. Photography is an expensive hobby. <laughs> Don't understand why I got into it because it's incredibly expensive. Like the equipment is, I have, I'm always buying equipment. Like I got to find a way to like write this stuff off on my taxes. Cause <laughs> I'm pretty sure I spent like over two or $3,000 on photography alone. It's ridiculous. Um, that's the, that's the, that's a really strong con with digital. It just costs a lot of money for digital. That's expensive. But what about because cause film is like where you got to soak it in the stuff and then hang it up. So film is expensive in that capacity. Um, buying the chemicals for it or just like if you don't process the film yourself, which I don't because I don't know how to do it because um, it's a science to it as well. And I, that's the next thing I want to learn how to do. But in the meantime, I go and drop my film off to uh, Full Circle because they're the only place in Baltimore City that uh, develops film. Like literally the only people in the city. That's that can be expensive, but I don't shoot like there are photographers. There are people who shoot film, mostly people who shoot medium format, which is uh, not 30. So it's like 35 millimeter medium format and then it's large format. And medium format is those ones like if you ever heard of Mamiya or Pentax or whatever, those are like. Is that a camera? Yeah, those are like oh, cameras. Okay. And like, mm-hmm. They're really pretty, though. Um, the images are really nice. But um, those people, they have like bags full of like film and like that's how it can get expensive because you're like I have a hundred rolls that I'm dropping off and I need you to process them and scan them and then send them to me uh I see so it's just the labor of doing all of that that's where like the real cost of it comes in yeah yeah I see but if you learn how to do it yourself it's probably not that expensive don't give me the line I haven't gotten to that part of my journey yet yeah but then Um, you also need the space to do it at um Because I'm assuming that if they're processing film, like they have to have the right conditions. You just need a, like a dark room, and I, uh, from what I've seen with some people, some people don't even use dark rooms. They use like this, like a little. You could develop your own stuff without a dark room. Um, dark rooms are really old school, mm. but you can. It's I forgot what it's called, but it's like a little canister, and you can just like drop the film in. But you should be careful with it. Because if you expose it, then your film's ruined. Mm, okay. so if you, ex- ugh, sorry, if you expose it before you develop it, your film will be ruined. 
essentially. So that happens sometimes when you're like taking the, if you like pop the back of the film camera out before you roll the film all the way into your, uh, re-roll it in and you pop the film thing out, you'll expose the film. You'd be like, oh, shit. I just ruined this. I just ruined it. I mean, you can probably save it if you close it fast enough, but yeah. What project has allowed you to work through a personal or creative barrier that you were experiencing? Mm. There is a, a project that I've been talking about for the past two years that I have not started because it is super personal and it's also different than what I've done before as a photographer. So like that is, that's giving me some sh- I mean, it's a little bit of me and my own because I'm I can be a weird perfectionist. So I'm just like, ooh, I got to have everything right before I do. When it's just like you can just do it and it'll be fine. But because it's so personal to me and I, I want it to be really good. Um, so, yeah, but this particular project, it's supposed to I keep talking about it. Have I done it yet? No, but <laughs> it's supposed to I would like to photograph. um women with their mothers or just women in general and like have a discussion about the experiences they've had growing up with their moms and their, their, the relationships they have with their mothers. Um, and just explore that and see what that is. Also, it's just like, for me, it's cause it's also like a cathartic thing for me. Also going back and understanding the relationship with my mother and how, yeah it's it's a lot i'm still like fleshing out the i know the core of it but i'm Mm -hmm. still fleshing out the details of it and how i want to do it and how i want to take the pictures and like you know because this is like probably my will be my first long-term project that i'll do yeah yeah i understand i um i had a similar podcast project like that where for a few weeks, I think five or six weeks in the summer of like 2017. <clears throat> I, um, so my, my parents got divorced when I, when my sister and I were younger and then my dad wasn't like really part of the picture for most of my teenage life and adult life and stuff. And, uh, in 2016, I think, or 17, I just, um, I just called him every Sunday for like six weeks and we just talked about him and his life and why my parents got divorced and I made it into a podcast and like I still have one more episode to do but I just haven't been able to bring myself to do it because like you said it's very personal and while it is cathartic it's just difficult because the older you get the wiser and more you know intelligent you become and then you stop seeing your parents as your parents and And you you see see them them as people and then you realize like oh they have so much stuff that they didn't work through Mm -hmm. and it's just very um it's very difficult but i think that idea for your project is great because for me as a man i have a certain uh relationship with my father like my mom's relationship was great like she was you know she well my sister and i stayed with her she got custody of us um so for me, I always approach it from that angle of like, I too would want to make something for men, specifically black men, to discuss their relationships and the dynamic of father and son. Uh, so I think for black women, for their mothers and daughters, I I, I think that you should do it. Like, don't feel like I'm pressuring you. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it, that is something fantastic because I think it's something that we don't talk about enough. And I think... 
as as like our generation gets older and realizes you know generational trauma and mental health and all that stuff it's we can't wait for the older generation to bring that out into the forefront because they're like i haven't talked about it for 30 years and it's so worked I'm for me just do it now. yeah exactly exactly no i think our generation is really doing a good job of like coming up like dealing with that stuff and like and i think it's really cool because like i think art really is a means of like communicating some like deeper truths or some deeper emotions that we probably just can't grapple with and so i think i would love to do the project because it's like I want to connect everybody with this experience because I know it's a collective experience that I think we have. And I, and I think it would be interesting also to talk about it because as a black woman and when you think about intergenerational trauma and stuff, like just looking at your mother and your, your mother's mothers and like how they've been loved and how they've grown up and how that translated to you and how you're working to like change that stuff. Like I, I know we're all going through the same thing in some capacity. And like, I would like for other people to know that one, they're not alone in two, what does this look like in everywhere else? And also like checking in, like, where are you in your journey for real? If you have started or if you haven't started or if you're interested, you know, but it's a thing that all black women and not just black women in general, I don't want to exclude, you know, non-binary and trans folk. Like it's a thing that all black people experience with their parents of like, especially our generation of like, we're trying to get to the root of the issue because we're trying to be better. But also we're still grappling with the effects of, you know, your parenting. So it's a process for real. And I'm interested in exploring. I think that's the one thing I like doing with photography is exploring the internal processes of human nature and interpersonal relationships via art. Uh, we're going to start wrapping up here. Got a few more questions. Um, first, what's coming up next for you? Uh, what's coming up next for me is doing this project we just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> like getting that like I think I've just been having fun as a photographer. Like I was just talking to again my best friend um about the difficulties artists have as like trying to do art and get yourself out there because, you know, like I would love to work with publications and stuff like that. But then also just doing art for yourself because art making isn't for other people, it's for you. So like it's a weird balance. So I'm, I think I've been just trying to like have fun with doing art, but then also maintaining, trying to reach out and, you know, make a name for myself and leave an imprint or a footprint in like other places so I can get out there some more. But yeah. Gotcha. That's what's next. <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing this project for me, mm -hmm. reaching out to people, but still maintaining, having fun. I want to teach myself some new things too. So I think, uh, I really would like to learn how to develop my own film soon. So that's going to be something I'm going to work on and yeah, that should be it. Okay. COVID's kind of ruined a lot of things. So pretty definitely limited. Has. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Where can people go if they want to contact you? Um, or if they want, do you sell any of your prints photos i'm oh okay you know speaking of next steps that is something i have to do is like i need to make prints so i'm about to uh work on doing like a print sale thing where i, I need to go send out some prints made so i can do like postcards first and then work my way up to like bigger larger prints that i could sell but um prints will be coming soon y'all but if you if people want to request a specific print that they want personally you know we can talk it out but until then yeah Okay, and then how can people uh, get in touch with you if they do want a, a print or something like that? You can find me on social media 
which also has my website linked in it. My social media is underscore a Baltimore Grio G R I O T underscore. Um, and the link to my website is also on there, a Baltimore And that's also my email address on Baltimore at gmail.com. And, you know, slide in my DMs or email me and uh, I will respond. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't already gone over? Mm, uh, I don't know. Everything always comes in hindsight, but uh, I really appreciate you having me here. This is great. And, yeah. uh, we, talked, we talked about this earlier about being validated, and I never thought that that was a thing that you needed, but it, it does feel good sometimes. So thank you for this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for responding to me. I um, I was sending out like a bunch of uh, requests for interviews and like one person was like, yeah, let's do it. And then like they just kind of ghosted me. And then another person <laughs> I hit up like three times on three separate platforms and they just never got back to me. So I was like, man, fuck this shit. I don't <laughs> do this shit anymore. And then once I reached out to you and then the other guest that I'll be having later on and you guys got back to me, I was just like, all right, I'm back. I'm, I'm back. Yeah, I hate when it. that happens. Like <laughs> as a photographer, I'm like, hey, you want to be a model? And like, I'll be like, I give up. I get so discouraged so easily. So I'll yeah. be like, fuck this. But I think that that's what that's that's what you're saying about the thing of validation is that like it comes in many different forms but for creative people it you just kind of have that constant battle because really the biggest validation is when you're rich and famous and all of that stuff but you're just trying to get up to that point uh so i definitely feel you and how is how is it being on your first podcast oh this is great (laughs) this is so fun and you're right it was just like having a conversation yeah awesome awesome well sydney a Baltimore Grio. I really do appreciate you um, sitting down with me. Thanks so much. Of course, of course.